Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, June 2nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... There is no place for the anarchist, and there is no place for the antagonist here in Mississippi. The governor addresses protesters as cases of COVID-19 in the state remain steady. Then, how some are maintaining their mental health during a months-long pandemic. And what one Mississippi organization is doing to address teen health during a time of shutdown schools and economic insecurity. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Protests following the death of George Floyd, a Minneapolis man arrested and asphyxiated as a result of excessive police force, are entering their second week. Following a weekend of demonstrations, some of which turned violent, state and federal leaders are taking measures to prevent protests from becoming volatile. Governor Tate Reeves commented on the death of George Floyd during his daily press briefing yesterday. He also voiced his support for peaceful demonstration. Because... It is the overwhelming focus of our country right now. I also want to address the killing of George Floyd and the protests and the riots that have followed across this country. I have always been careful to avoid prejudging any investigation. The officers involved in the death of George Floyd will have their day in court. But, like virtually everyone else who has looked at the case, I came away disgusted and dismayed. I pray that justice will be done. Even though we know it will not bring Mr. Floyd back to his family. It was a tragedy, and people across the country have a right to be angry. They have a right to be angry, not just for this case, but for others as well. You have a right to protest. It is among the most sacred rights in our country. Your right to protest your government. 
It is what makes us who we are. I applaud anyone who uses that right, and I will always defend your ability to do so. Reeves acknowledged the peaceful protesters outside the governor's mansion over the weekend, saying he heard their message. In a more confrontational tone, Reeves also addressed the arson and looting seen in other parts of the country and sent a message to those outside the state. I also want to be clear. No one has a First Amendment right to burn or to loot. I truly believe that Mississippi protesters want no common cause with those who use them as cover for chaos. They want no violence. I want no violence. We are not eager for that possibility, but we are prepared. I want to draw a bright line between two topics. Right here, let me be clear. I am not speaking to the protesters from Mississippi. I am only speaking to the anarchists and the agitators from other parts of the country that seem committed to violence. We've seen them all over the country the last few days. And frankly, they are usually spoiled kids who are privileged enough to not know consequences, and they tend to co-opt otherwise protests that are nonviolent. I want you to hear that there is no place for the anarchist and there is no place for the antagonist here in Mississippi. Any efforts to do so will be overwhelmed. I am not threatening. I am promising that the full force of our state will be ready and willing to defend our communities. They will never stand back. They will lean in. And you will not like the results. During his remarks, Reeves made vague allusions to the purpose of the demonstrations, using phrases like issues that too often divide us and stating that people have the right to be angry about this case and others. Reeves did not directly address the topic of racial injustice and disproportionate extrajudicial actions in law enforcement. Concerns protesters say are at the heart of their message. As the state continues operating under the safe return order, health officials are expressing their continued concerns over widespread transmission of the coronavirus. State health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says his department is finding evidence of community spread. We continue to see significant coronavirus activity. Much of it is being generated by community spread, people giving it to one another in the community, not necessarily associated with outbreaks or long-term care settings. It's very important for us to keep this in mind. We've made a lot of sacrifices over the previous months, and we don't want to let that turn back by being unwise as we go into this new era and over the summer. Right now we're working up a card game where a a group of people got together just playing cards, and they almost all caught it from one person with coronavirus. Even small groups can be dangerous, so be cautious, and especially if you have any symptoms – of a coronavirus, even a mild cold, and you think it's nothing or even allergies, please get tested and don't go to a social gathering where you could where you could um, infect your friends. Mississippi currently has 15,752 recorded cases of COVID-19. 
Oh, excuse me. As the number of daily cases remain stagnant with no downward trend, Governor Reeves pleads with Mississippians to continue careful discernment. Coronavirus is deadly. It is contagious and it is present all over our state. We need you to be smart. We need you to stay sharp. And please do not let your guard down. We have worked closely with Dr. Dobbs and his team on guidelines that will allow businesses to return to operations safely. But we are not back to normal. If you care about protecting the lives of your loved ones, we must stay strong. We must stay vigilant. There are guidelines for safe practices. Please use them. There are rules on social gatherings. Please follow them. I urge you, do not put me in a position where I have to do things that I do not want to do. I want there to be guidelines rather than orders. I don't want any of this to be happening. We're trying to help you. Please try to help yourselves. Please do not give up. Please do not forget that the coronavirus is still in our communities. Mississippi currently has 15,752 recorded cases of COVID-19 with 739 deaths. Coming up, how some are maintaining their mental health during a months-long pandemic. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Almost half of adults in Mississippi are experiencing symptoms of anxiety and depression because of the coronavirus pandemic, according to a new survey. MPB's Ashley Norwood reports on how people are maintaining their mental health. I'm good. I, uh, I'm having a good day today. That's Kendrika Pipes. She's a 27-year-old native of Centraville. I got plenty of rest the night before. I had to run a couple of errands this morning that I got done. My mood is pretty, like, stable, meaning, like, I'm not happy or sad. I'm just, like, content. But not every day amid the coronavirus pandemic has gone as well. Pipe says she was diagnosed last year with bipolar 2 disorder. And during the state's shelter-in-place mandate, she experienced more frequent episodes of depression. She says it got to a point where she didn't want to get out of bed, eat, or get in touch with family or friends. The pandemic really made me feel more isolated. And then I had a a little bit of anxiety, this overwhelming fear that kind of plagued my days every single day to the point where, you know, it became painful. Like I would have chest pain, headaches, not being able to breathe normally, just really, really scared. And according to a new survey, she's not alone. 
More than a third of Americans are showing clinical signs of anxiety or depressive disorder, according to a survey conducted by the U.S. Census Bureau between May 14th and May 19th. The ongoing questionnaire aims to understand the social and economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. We're definitely bracing ourselves for a surge. Dr. Mary Ashley Angelo is a licensed psychologist and a director of behavioral health services at the Mississippi State Hospital. She says in April 2020, there was a thousand percent increase in emotional distress compared to this time last year. And the hotlines for help, she says, are ringing off the hook. We have Um, as a country, been very aware of the impact on our physical health that the coronavirus has had, and we've all taken, obviously, precautions against that. But I don't think that we have prepared as well as we could have for the toll on our mental health. Among the states, data show Mississippi has the largest percentage, with 44.3 percent of adults showing symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder. Neighboring states Louisiana and Alabama have fewer adults showing symptoms. In Louisiana, 34 percent acknowledge feelings of anxiety and depression, while in Alabama, 25 percent of adults are experiencing symptoms. The Mississippi Department of Mental Health was recently awarded $2 million in federal emergency grant funding to expand and enhance services addressing mental and substance use disorders during COVID-19. Dr. Angelo says more mental health professionals are now providing telehealth services. People who require mental health services or even therapy services may do that via FaceTime or Skype, some of these other platforms that will allow people to continue to get the services that they need during this time. Medication checks as well. Speaking at a press event last week, Governor Tate Reeves says he's concerned about the collective trauma Mississippians are experiencing. He says his staff is beginning to discuss mental health support for people living in long-term care facilities and their family members who, because of the pandemic, aren't allowed to visit. More than 135 outbreaks exist in long-term care settings, and that's where 50% of the state's total coronavirus deaths have occurred. That's certainly something that um, we're going to continue to have conversations about. How do we do do this? We've got to be able to do that. We can't go uh, a year or a year and a half without, um, without our Mississippians being able to at least look in their grandma's face, even if it's from eight feet away outside or something along those lines, and just say, hey, I love you. Kendrika Pipe says she's grateful she and her loved ones have been well thus far. What's been helping her through this time, she says, is developing a daily routine and sticking to it, even when she doesn't feel like it. Parts of that routine include time spent outdoors, meditation, reading, and most recently, candle making, which in turn has been therapeutic and developed into a business idea. Mental health should not be this topic that we stray away from is definitely something that we should face head on, especially in the Black community, and especially at a time like this where we're literally sitting at home with our thoughts. In these uncertain times, Pipe says what motivates her is the possibility of better days. Ashley Norwood, MPB News. Coming up, what one Mississippi organization is doing to address teen health during a time of shutdown schools and economic insecurity. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, 
You can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. As the economic toll of the pandemic hits Mississippi's underserved areas, some teens who play contributing roles in their households are facing heightened trauma and health challenges. Teen Health Mississippi, an organization with a mission to ensure that all Mississippi teens have access to services, to high-quality sex education and youth-friendly health care services, is catering its mission to reach those teens. Dr. Hope Crenshaw is the executive director of Teen Health Mississippi. She, along with Director of Youth Engagement and Advocacy, Justin Lofton, share with our Michael Guidry. The impact of COVID-19 is trauma for people in general in the U.S. and also Mississippi, but our young people as well. And so one of the things that we realize as an organization that is working for, uh, for and on behalf of young people uh, is that Half of American children have at some point in their lifetime faced at least one traumatic event. And those people uh, who have experienced trauma are three times more likely to experience depression. And that also impacts the way uh, they show their, their sexual expression. So we know that as a result of COVID-19 and uh, the trauma that these young people are facing as well is that they're four times more likely to develop an STI. They are likely to not use a condom at last six, and there are higher rates of unplanned pregnancy. You can even look at our teen pregnancy rates here in the state of Mississippi, where we're second in the nation for teen pregnancy, and we also have some of the higher rates of STIs around chlamydia and gonorrhea. And so, uh, When we look at trauma as a whole, it impacts young people uh, not just in a a way where there is just depression, but uh, as a result impacts their sexual decision-making skills as well. The pandemic has kind of thrown everyone for a loop. How have you catered your, your organizational mission and outreach to, I guess, adapt to the demands of the pandemic while you try to reach those teens that need it most? So Teen Health has approximately 11 programs, which really focuses on ensuring youth have access to that information and, that, and those resources. The majority of those programs uh, were really based on that face-to-face interaction with communities because the communities that we serve are just really responsive to those types of interactions, whether they were in-person trainings, school visits, or presenting at various events. So prior to the pandemic, we only had one program that was really uh, social media-driven, and that was our Mind Elevation Project that kind of uses Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to help you get access to those mental and sexual health resources. For our youth programs, we've now turned them entirely online. So this includes our Mississippi Youth Summit, which is coming up next week. Uh, we're using programs that gamify learning and video conferencing software to increase that learning and to make sure these communities have access to that information. And so we're also working on developing trainings for communities uh, that can be accessed online. So as teachers go back 
to school eventually in this post-COVID-19 world. They're going to really need to be able to deal with the trauma that's impacting youth. Justin, can you talk a little bit about the COVID Relief Fund and specifically how um, we've added this new component called the COVID Relief Fund and how that kind of attaches itself to our larger mission? Uh, really, the development of the Emergency Relief Fund uh, began with our youth partners. As we were speaking with them, we found that many of them were experiencing personal hardships as a direct result of COVID-19. And so uh, in our brains, it just kind of clicked that, you know, if our youth partners are experiencing these types of issues, then there may very well be many other young people across the state of Mississippi that are experiencing challenges as a result of COVID-19. I think one thing that has not been discussed is, you know, really how young people have been impacted um, personally, um, how they have to have to become the breadwinners in their families where their parents have been furloughed or laid off or don't have a job anymore because that business has closed as a result of COVID-19. And so when we put the application out, uh, we got applicants from 122 cities in all 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. And what we found is that we were correct when we said that many young people were impacted. Uh, 63% of them were experiencing food insecurities. 41% were experiencing homelessness. 32% lacked the proper technology for distant learning. We also saw transportation barriers. 29.3% of our young people indicated they didn't either have a car or they were having car issues or they didn't have gas money to get back and forth to work. And this was particularly a really big issue in rural areas, uh, more so than more urban areas of the state. Just kind of considering where we are, we received roughly 4,000 applications, and uh, we've so far been able to assist 125 young people from across 24 Mississippi counties and 31 cities and towns. And 56% of the funds that we have awarded young people were given to young people experiencing nutritional insecurity. 23% of the funds that we've awarded young people were distributed to expecting and parenting teams that need a baby care supply. So um, we wanted to create this as just a direct response to ensure that all Mississippi youth uh, would have an opportunity to seek some additional financial support to take care of their families and their own personal needs. A lot of the underserved areas uh, of the state, those teens rely on services that uh, Oftentimes, the services that schools provide, whether it's lunches, whether it's um, access to counseling, uh, in some cases access to uh, to some type of health care. With schools being closed and now the summer, you know, dawning us and, and, and these kids being away from that environment for, for so long, how are you going to continue to uh, adapt and develop your programs to continue to reach Mississippians as this pandemic potentially uh, bleeds into the fall. I think one of the unique things about Senior Health Mississippi is our focus on um, the intersection between mental uh, mental health and sexual and reproductive health. And one of our projects, specifically the Mind Elevation Project, uh, does a fantastic job of uh, generating and creating content that is directly responsive and adaptable to situations or pandemic like COVID-19. Specifically, uh, young people being able to ask 
questions um, using our Ask FM service um, in an anonymous way that provides them some type of support, but also their access to online digital content that was created for youth um, and by youth for them to be able to uh, have content that is relatable to the current experiences around depression and trauma, anxiety, and other things that they may be experiencing during these really challenging times. We were able to get funding from uh, a local partner here as well as a national partner, but we really need support of people from the state of Mississippi to really push this effort. Um, we are partnering with, with other organizations that are within communi communities themselves to provide that um, assistance and the, that resources to, to people. Uh, we're sending out care boxes, uh, which is also part of our, our work as well, to make sure that youth have access to contraceptive options, that they have access to uh, personal protective masks, um, to ensure that there, there's a need that needs to be met here, and Teen Health is just one organization that's working to meet that need. And so we also think that the legislative has, has a role to play in this. There is COVID-19 relief funds that are available. Um, and one of the ways that our legislators can support us is by getting funds into the hands of um, organizations like Teen Health Mississippi and other organizations who are responsible, who have a financial history of making sure that things get to the places and the people that they need to, uh, that those things are working and getting to young people as well as other communities because this is part of the pandemic that no one is really talking about. We've been with Dr. Hope Crenshaw, Executive Director of Teen Health Mississippi, and Justin Lofton, Director of Youth Engagement and Advocacy with Teen Health Mississippi. Thank you both so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.